I'll be reading from Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 6 this morning. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Well, that's a good way to kick off the morning. Good morning. Yeah, I hate to be the, uh, the bearer of bad news, but things are falling apart all around us. We got all the stuff going on in the Middle East. Gaddafi is uh, still hiding out in Tripoli and being attacked. He'll probably be taken over at some point. All the dictators are being kicked out. We have incredible earthquakes that are going on all around. Australia was hit hard. Louisiana got hit with a twister yesterday and wiped out a bunch of people. Things are going crazy. Gas prices are, are going up. But in this last week, there's really two words that sum up the whole week. Charlie Sheen. <laughs> That's what America is concerned about amidst everything falling apart. Charlie Sheen set the world record, Guinness Book of World Records, for Twitter. The most million, he got a million followers faster than anybody in the history of Twitter. He did it in 25 hours and 17 minutes because people are following his life and they want to know what he's all about. And they're drawn in for various reasons about what is going on with Charlie Sheen. And they love to get his quotes. Hey, I'm on a drug and it's called Charlie Sheen. He was asked if he was suffering from bipolar disease, and he said, bipolar? I'm not bipolar. I'm bi-winning. I'm winning everything. Everything that I do is a win. That's my lifestyle. He keeps speaking about his success and how his life is really all about winning in life. And people are being drawn in and asking questions. This is Charlie Sheen winning. He says, dying is for fools and for amateurs. He talked about his day-to-day routine, and this is what he said. It's perfect, my life. It's awesome. Every day is just filled with wins, and all we do is put wins in the record books. We win so radically all the time. And he says of his lifestyle, it's good. And the t-shirts that are being made, because he said it, is I am winning, duh. Duh. Charlie Sheen is throwing in our face his immorality, his misuse of drugs and alcohol and how it's destroying his life. He's throwing in our face his sexual immorality, 
He lives with two women who he calls his goddesses. And they are porn stars. And his children, his young children, are being raised in the middle of all of that. And he speaks to his lifestyle. And he says, I'm a rock star from Mars, baby, and I'm winning. And the culture, again, what is the world following? What is everybody concerned about? What is the media covering every day? Charlie Sheen. The whole world's falling apart, and we are focused on Charlie Sheen. There's something wrong, isn't there? And there's all these groups that are either getting behind them or mocking them, uh, but they're making all kinds of T-shirts, some that are in great support, that say, hey, I'm winning with Charlie Sheen. I love Charlie Sheen. Uh, they, they mock the what would Jesus do by what would Charlie Sheen do. And they're in great support of what he's doing. And so the question that comes to me as we, as we see this daily is how are we to live? How are we, how are we to respond when everything that's being thrown in our face is immorality, sexual immorality, uh, all the media, again, covering this. Twitter is going off the charts. How do we live in light of what's going on in our culture, especially of sexual immorality in our culture today? What's God's view of what's taking place in our culture? What's God's view of Charlie Sheen? And let me just start by saying this very clearly. God radically loves Charlie Sheen. And I'm not here to to even go against that one little bit. God radically loves Charlie Sheen. But he is at the moment a poster child for immorality and sexual immorality. Does he need help? You bet. But like the songs we sung this morning, right? This is why we need a Savior, isn't it? This is why we need a Savior. But Paul dives in, in Ephesians, and he has been teaching us what it means to, to follow the Lord. What, he's called us to be what Jackson taught us on last week, to be imitators of Christ. We are to reflect His character, His love. We are to to enter into a life of pure love, of agape love, that self-sacrificial love that is taking place. And as Josh taught us, that we are to to put off the, the old man and put on the new. The old nature, which would wear the t-shirt, I went in with Charlie Sheen, and put on the new. I'm winning and I'm running with Christ. And we're to live in that that strength of the Lord. But here's the deal. You know, I think as, as Paul was writing to the Christians in Ephesus, I think the Lord reminded Paul that Ephesus was not an easy place to be, especially in regards to sexual immorality that it was in your face every day, all the time. And here are these young Christians 
trying to grow up in Christ, and every day they're faced with an enticement to sexual immorality. Do you remember what Jackson taught us initially about Artemis? Artemis was this incredible many-breasted goddess, fertility goddess. And so most everyone in the culture who were pagans would go to the temple, one of the wonders of the world. Isn't that great? One of the wonders of the world that was full of sexual immorality. And they would go and enter into temple prostitution to be closer to the goddess. Every day they were enticed. You also had the Roman influence of Ephesus, which was very sexually immoral. And then the reality was, culturally, everybody's going, what's the big deal? So what? Brand new Christians trying to learn to live in righteousness, not knowing quite how to do that. Paul is instructing them how to live. And he knows they're facing this incredible sexual immorality every day. Isn't this the world we live in, folks? Are we not in Ephesus right now, truly? You want to watch the Super Bowl ads because they're supposed to be cool and fun, and it's just thrown in your face. You want to try to, you know, just go out into the streets and just enjoy the day, and you got some sort of advertisement or some sort of something right in your face. Every day. You know, we have to wake up and understand what's going on in our culture, especially on the Internet, how it's really crushing us, followers of Christ, how it's crushing those who are trying to figure it all out. There are websites now that solicit and drawing people so that they can have extramarital affairs. And they're very blatant about this. In 2009, one of the sites, in, in just the month of June of 2009, 680,000 people signed up so that they could have extramarital affairs. Just in that month. This particular website from 2008 to 2009, went from 2 million members to 4 million members. 90% of the men who use this site are indeed married, and 60% of the women who use this site are indeed married. This is the culture we live in, and people are being sucked into this. And Christians are, at times, being tempted to draw into this. It's interesting, they talked to the president of the company, and he said this. They said, what do you think about what you're doing? Well, it's just a platform. It's just a platform. So people can come in. They, they don't decide in a, in a second to come and have an affair. It's because their lives are messed up, and so we just provide an opportunity for them to have a better life. He's a married man, and they said, well, what if your wife chose to use your site? And he said, I'd be devastated. We live in a mixed-up world, don't we? And Paul uses, God uses Paul to speak to the Ephesians, but you know very clearly he's speaking to us. 
about how to live life. How to run in such a way as to win the prize, which is righteousness, which is life in Christ, which is maturity in Him, which is receiving abundance from Him. That we are focused on the kingdom of God. That's winning. And it's so opposite of what is said by Charlie Sheen and others who say this is how to have life. It breaks your heart, doesn't it, when you hear these stories? And you can only imagine how God grieves over what's going on in our culture. Because it was never intended to be this way, was it? God created relationship to be perfect, to love each other well in agape, beautiful love. God created sex to be beautiful and intimate. It's his creation. And the world has taken everything that God created as beautiful and has perverted it and made it disgusting and sick. It was never intended to be that way. So I think the Lord is drawing us back and trying to remind us, hey, how are we to live this life in a society that's pouring all this stuff on us daily? I think he wants us to remember how he made it. Do you remember in the garden? He put Adam into a deep sleep and he fashioned a woman. Again, that's a beautiful word. He took a lot of time. And he took the rib which he had taken from man and he brought this beautiful woman that he had taken from the rib and he brought her to the man. And the man was absolutely blown away. Hey, husbands, remember this right now with your wife of many years. Remember how you first saw her. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And for this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife and they shall become one. And then it says this in verse 25 of Genesis 2. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. There was this incredible intimacy. There was physical intimacy, spiritual intimacy, emotional intimacy. They were drawn together, and they could be in each other's presence. And the whole idea of being naked and unashamed is, you know what? I can trust you with everything about me. I can know that you're not going to take advantage of me. I can know that we're not going to go down this course that's perverted and against what God has. And so I'm naked and unashamed. And there's a beautiful intimacy there, a trust that goes deep. That's the way he created it. That's why Paul comes pretty strong in in Ephesians against it. Because there's a purpose for our sexuality and, and making love that is beautiful. And especially for us who are follow Christ, that we aren't drawn in, we aren't drawn into a culture that is saying this is okay. Because there's too many marriages, even in our midst, who've been drawn into this culture 
because the lie was whispered. There's more than just your wife. You can go ahead and have sex outside of marriage. There'll be no effect. Go ahead and do whatever you want with your bodies. There'll be no consequence. And when you hear that message every day, the battle rages on. And we are not immune to the battle. We're right in the middle of it. And so let's stop kidding ourselves, is what I say. Do you remember the Song of Songs? Song of Solomon? Beautiful imagery of what God intended. The beautiful calling of the maiden and how much she was in love. He is like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so my beloved among young men, in the shade of him I take great delight. His banner over me is love. I am lovesick in the arms of my love. His left hand under my head and his right hand embrace me. You go, ooh, that's getting pretty intimate. That's the way God intended it. Let's not take the beauty of what God made and pervert it. And enjoy what God has given you. But even in the Song of Songs, what the maiden says to the other maidens is this. O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and by the hinds of the field, do not arouse or waken my love until she pleases. Basically, don't arouse sexual intimacy until it is time. And the time will come soon, which will be with my love, who I will covenant with in marriage. That is the context. And that is what is good. And that is what is pure. And I want you to know God applauds it. Because he made it. We have to renew our minds. When we're facing images and messages every day that go contrary to the beauty of our sexuality and to the beauty of intimacy, sexual intimacy within marriage. And let's be drawn back to what God has for us. Man has taken all of that and messed it up. And Paul knows it. And so he's calling the people in Ephesus, and, and the Lord is using that to stir us, to be reminded. And so he says in Ephesians 5.3, there must not even be a hint, a whisper, not even once must it be named among you, is actually how it's used. Your name should not be associated with sexual immorality. It shouldn't be in your, in your arena. He uses the original language of porneia. It's, it is, it's sexual sin, and it's a variety of sexual sin. Paul goes from, again, you can't miss the message. I want you to be imitators of Christ. I want you to show agape love. Agape love doesn't enter into porneia. Because porneia is taking advantage of, isn't it? And it's abusing. And it's taking a body of someone else that doesn't belong to you and entering into false intimacy. 
He says, there shouldn't be a hint. You know, we as pastors and elders of this church, just so you know, take this very seriously. We have all kinds of guidelines, and which all of us should have. We should have boundaries. We should have ways that we can prevent. We should have ways that don't allow us to have a hint, a whisper of, whoa, is that person involved somehow in an improper way? With all of our offices, you will find uh, there's windows in our offices so that you can see at all times if there's anything going on in there. For us men, we will very rarely counsel a woman. It's usually just a one-time deal to find out what's going on, and then we'll bring in other counselors. And again, that won't be a very long period, and the window's there, and the office staff, they know we have a woman in the office. But again, that's very rare. And we'll typically bring in one of our women pastors to step into that. We as staff, we don't go anywhere alone together, a male and female staff person. We don't even drive to a staff meeting together, be in the same car, where it's just the two of us. We won't go grab lunch or coffee together, unless there's three or more. Now, sometimes you may say, well, that's just silly. But we don't want there to be a hint, a whisper, any sort of leading whatsoever, that there's anything inappropriate or ungodly taking place. And so he calls us to morality. He calls us to a lifestyle that lives and, and lives in purity. The rest of the words that he uses in this section that Greg read, I believe all relate to sexual immorality. They all draw back to what he's starting in his in his response to what's going on in the culture. He says, don't live in this way because it's not fitting for the saints. It's not, it's not proper. That's not the, the proper clothes to be wearing. Again, we're not putting on the, the Charlie Sheen t-shirt that says, I'm winning, duh. That's not proper amongst the saints. We shouldn't buy into that. He's saying, I want you to live and put on the clothes that the Lord has given you. Remember the new man that says, I, I, I am running to win the prize of Christ. And I put on the new clothes. And the, that lifestyle, what that looks like is there should not be any uncleanness or impurity, maybe your scriptures say. That has the idea of a, uh, it's this awful sense of a body that is decaying and there's a smell of a, of a decaying body. There shouldn't be mention and there shouldn't be this smell, this aroma coming from you. Don't have this outward appearance that everything is good. Remember Matthew 23 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You're like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you appear beautiful, but inside, you're full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. It's a reminder that, you know what, this, this death is inside. It's inside of us. And we, we, we're, trying to, we're trying to be whitewashed tombs. That means look good on the outside, be covered, painted over, 
So you walk by and it's like, oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And yet it's dying on the inside. And it has this stench. You know, I just want to encourage, encourage us as a body of Christ that, that we would stop trying to live as whitewashed tombs. That we would stop trying to, to look like everything's okay. Because the reality is, it's not. The reality is, we're struggling in all kinds of areas. A lot of people are struggling with sexual immorality issues. A lot of us. And part of it is just what we face in our culture. And I want us to stop pretending that we're doing fine. Because the power of sin is in its hiddenness. And when we continue to hide that everything is okay, then you will lose the battle. It needs to be exposed on what's going on and what's happening in your life. That we, we stop trying to look spiritual like the Pharisees were. And, and not only sin and yet come and say, ah, oh, let's lead church and let's do this. We're called to a lifestyle of purity. We're called to righteousness. If if you're struggling with sin and it's starting to take over, if you're struggling with pornography and you just can't get out of it, if you've been entering into relationships of sexual relationships outside of your marriage, share the burden. Share the burden. I've told you guys this before and I mean it. As brothers in Christ, as pastors on this staff, if you just need a place to say, hey, I'm struggling, we're not here to condemn you. We're here to help you and, and to help you run the race that you want to run, which I know, which I know, because you're children of God. I know you want to run towards Christ. You want to win the prize, which is a lifestyle of righteousness. You want to win the kingdom. Calls us to that. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, Romans 12, present your bodies as living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. This is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, which is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, instead of the stench of uncleanness, were to be like that fragrant offering of Christ, which was mentioned in the previous verses. A sacrifice unto God. I don't want there to be a hint of sexual immorality. I don't want there to be uncleanness, this, this incredible stench that takes over your life. I don't want there to be in your life covetousness or greed. And again, I think that refers to our sexual immorality. It's, greed is... And covetousness, it's, it's just longing for more. I can't get enough. I have this appetite that, that cannot be satisfied. And I think he's referring specifically in our area of sexuality. And so I'm going to do whatever it takes to make me satisfied. I'll, I'll go into relationships outside of marriage. I'll enter into 
all kinds of pornography because I just can't get enough. He said, that's not what God has called you to. God has empowered you. God has given you new clothing. And you can live in righteousness. Don't be drawn into these things. We defraud others. It's a false intimacy. It's a love of possessing. I can't have enough thirst. I'm so thirsty all the time. Even America as a culture, you know, McDonald's used to have only a 7-ounce drink. But now we've got to get the 42-ouncer because your thirst is never satisfied. And all they promote now is the Mongo, you know, the big one. Our thirst is never satisfied. He's saying you're not called to greed, to covetousness. And there should not be in your midst any filthiness that's shameful talk, things that you're doing that, that, are, that are disgraceful. There should not be foolish talking, silly talk, talk that disregards the, the beauty of what God has created, sexual talk that is, that is just wrong and draws people into comments of sexuality. And a, and a double, you know, has a double meaning whenever you bring up a word and you throw a a sexual connotation that has double meaning. You say, that's not who you're made to be. That's not what you're all about. You're called into a lifestyle. You're not called into coarse jesting anymore. No more joking about these things. You go, geez, I can't tell a joke anymore. I like to tell jokes. I don't think that's what he's referring to. It's fine to tell jokes amongst your friends and to have fun. I'll tell you a joke. So there was this little boy, and he was at a wedding. And the little boy saw the bride up on the stage and said, Mommy, why is the bride dressed in white? And the mom didn't quite know how to answer. And so she said, well, she's dressed in white because she's happy, and this is the happiest day of her life. And the little boy went, oh. And then he thought for a second. He said, well, Mommy, why is the groom dressed in black? <laughs> oh, I got plenty more. Come on. <laughs> no, it's, it's not about making jokes. It's about crude, ugly, sexual talk that is so destructive. And so contrary to what God has created, isn't it? He calls us into beauty. You know, sin takes us further than we ever want to go. It keeps us longer than we ever want to stay. And it costs more than we're ever willing to pay. And so Paul wants to free us up. And God wants to free us up. That we might have life in him. Instead of all this junk coming out of our mouth, instead of all this lifestyle that is so destructive and so opposite to everything that God created, he says, I want you to give thanks. Thanks for what? Give thanks for what God has done in your life, that he has transformed you. Give thanks that you have life in Christ. Give thanks that he is our satisfaction. Give thanks that we are with him. 
Give thanks for the spouse, the bride of your youth. Give thanks for beautiful sexual intimacy with your spouse. Give thanks. God wants us to be renewed and restored. And what he says is, a lifestyle that lives in these things. And verse 5 is really, and it's in the, in the tense where it's an ongoing verb. If your lifestyle continues to live out this, really what you're saying is, I'm not a child of God. It's a take a look in the mirror moment. It really is. And it's a warning on how this stuff takes over your life. He's saying, I don't want you to get caught up in that. I don't want you to get far from God. I know what you're facing every day. But don't be drawn in to that. Don't be led by words that are empty words that deceive. Don't buy that t-shirt. Don't be like Eve in the garden. Did God really say these things? We're not to be drawn in. Well, what if we've been down this path? What if we've engaged in incredible sexual immorality? It's what we sang this morning. The Lord's our Redeemer. He's our Savior. You know, David kept looking at Bathsheba, and he went down that incredible path where he wanted her, and so he did. And he killed her husband, and he slept with her. And it destroyed his life. There was incredible consequence. He lost his first child with her. But guess what? God loves Charlie Sheen. And God loves King David. And Psalm 51, which you need to soak over, is, Lord, I have sinned against you and you alone. But you wash me you make me white as snow. You cleanse me. Father, you have forgiven me. You have given me life. You see, this is why God sent Jesus to be our Savior. This is why God from the beginning has been a God of redemption and forgiveness. You've been down this path? Come to your Lord and Savior and say, God, forgive me. Help me to live a life that is right in you. How do we survive? How do we survive in this culture? It's too much, isn't it, sometimes? The truth is we need each other. That's how we survive. I can't believe it, but my wife last week threw away my Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition (laughs) before I even got home. I know, yay. I said, honey, but there's good articles in that magazine. I was thinking about buying you a swimsuit. You know what, though? She protected me. I have three boys at home, by the way. She protected the boys. You know, the problem is we take too lightly sometimes how these things influence us. We need to help each other out. We need covenant eyes, things that cleanse us and purify us. We need each other. Don't let your sin be hidden anymore, okay? I mean it. 
There is no condemnation here. There's only health and life. And let's get right with God because he calls us to this lifestyle of of putting on the new. We are to be imitators of Christ. We're now to live not like Charlie Sheen, but like the Lord Jesus. And we are to be coming to God asking for forgiveness and being cleansed and being restored and being renewed. Let's pray. Father, this is a difficult passage to to go through. And Lord, only you know in our hearts where we're struggling at in these areas. And so I pray right now for this dear body that you would intervene, that your spirit would come strong, that you would convict, that you would pour out your grace and your love to this body. And Father, help us as we live in Ephesus, really. We live in a culture that has taken what you made to be beautiful and distorted it. So Father... Bless us today, I pray. Bless us with your life. Help us. Give us strength. And Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have washed us and that you have made us white as snow. Thank you that we have salvation. And thank you that we can be forgiven. And Father, give us your power and your love today, I pray. In your beautiful and precious name, amen.